Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. As you guys know, we value diversity in our church. Last week, Sister Liz sang, uh, Mary, Did You Know, in Espanol. That's Spanish for those of you that don't couldn't understand that. But uh, some of us aren't bilingual like me. Um, it's so funny. I said, here, what's interesting, too, is how, okay, I'm not going to get into that. Lilia is from the Ukraine, right? And so this morning, she is going to read to us in Ukrainian. Most of y'all will not understand it. So I, I said, I'm, I'm going to put the words up on the screen here in English, Englisho. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, she's going to read it in her Ukrainian language. So I think that this is a cool thing. А народження Ісуса Христа відбулося так. Коли його мати Марія була заручена з Йосипом, перш ніж вони зійшлися, виявилося, що вона мала в лоні від Духа Святого. А Йосип, її чоловік, будучи праведним і не бажаючи ослабити, вирішив та якома відпустити її. Щойно він це подумав. Якось Господній ангел з'явився йому в сні, каже, Йосипу, сину Давидів, не бійся прийняти Марію, дружину свою, бо зачати в ній є від Духа Святого. А вона ж народить сина і даси йому ім'я Ісус, бо він спасе свій народ від його гріхів. Це ж сталося, щоб збулося Господнє Слово, сказано через пророка. Ось діва матиме в лоні та народить сина і дадуть йому ім'я Ісус. Еммануїл, що означає з нами Бог. Прокинувшись від сну, Йосип чинив, як наказав йому Господній ангел, і прийняв свою дружину, і не впізнав її, аж поки вона народила свого першонародженого і назвав його ім'ям Ісус. Jesus. Amen. Thank you. What I love about the Ukrainian um, accent is, you know, they, they sound like they know what they're talking about even if they don't, don't they? Right? I, I love it. Uh, Going to have Andre come up here, not today, but at another time, and let him uh, speak. But uh, thank you, Lilia, for doing that. Um, one day... Uh, there will be all tongues and all languages in one place speaking one language, right? God loves uh, the diversity of his creation. So, Well, um, this morning we're going to be continuing in the Christmas series that we started two weeks ago before the snow uh, that we've entitled Eyewitnesses. We're looking at the Christmas narrative through the eyes of those who were there. And uh, last time we looked at the Virgin Mary, and this morning we are going to take a look at Joseph through his eyes. And, you know, as I've been studying today's passage, and as I have been thinking about the messages that God has been giving this church over the past year, and also as I have become more familiar with you guys, uh, the trials and the the struggles that, that our church family is going through. Let me, before I go any further, how many of you guys would say, you know, you, you're dealing with something in your life that's a trial, that's something that's, you know, pretty significant, okay? As you can see around, we, have, we are a, a people that 
have trials, that have struggles. And when these struggles and when these trials happen, I don't know about you, but I am tempted to question God. I've got four questions that I'm tempted to uh, ask God. Number one, is God good? God is good. God is good. And all the time, God is good, right? So I'm, I'm tempted to ask that question. Is Number two, is God aware of my situation? Does God see what's going on? Number three, is God doing anything about it? And number four, and here's a big one, is God wiser than me? Is wiser a word? Okay, good. But does God know, in other words, what he's doing? Those are the things that I'm tempted in. And now, if, if you're a child of God, if you've truly come to Jesus, you've truly tasted and seen how good God is, you know that he's good, right? You know that all the answers that God is good, that he's aware of your situation, that he's uh, doing something about it, and that he's wiser than you. You'll answer yes, but in the midst of it, I don't care who you are, I don't care how mature you think you are as a Christian. At some point, when that fire gets burning hot enough, we're going to be asking these questions. And, and, and this morning, I wanted to take a look at how Joseph deals with this, about God's goodness, about God's wisdom. And that's why I love the Christmas narrative. You know, if you really stop and take a look and examine what God is doing in this Christmas narrative, sometimes it looks like it doesn't make sense. You know, when God is fulfilling his 4,000-year promise of a Savior, it's almost like he is purposefully, it almost seems like God is purposefully orchestrating situations that don't make sense to those who are in the narrative. Have you, have you noticed that? For example, sometimes God brings good news. It's good news, but it doesn't seem like good news at the time. For example, Zechariah and Elizabeth. You all remember Zechariah and Elizabeth? They, are the, they were the parents of John the Baptist. Now, uh, it says that Elizabeth was barren and that they were advanced in years. Many scholars believe that these two men, these two, this man and woman were in their 70s or 80s. And it says that uh, we probably think, hold on, let me back up. It appears that they wanted children. And we know this because when the angel Gabriel shows up, he says, do not fear, fear Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. What prayer? A prayer that you would have children. Now, if I were Zechariah, and I'm 70 or 80, and an angel shows up to me and says, good news, you're going to have a baby. Ladies, is that good news? If you're 70 or 80, now maybe for Zechariah, right? What's up, y'all? Still, I still got it, right? Right, JC? That's right. How old are you, JC? How, how old are you, JC? 64. How old's your youngest? Five. Five. My dude, right here. Come on. My, that's, that's what Zachariah would be getting right there, right? My dude. My dude. 
Now, ladies, y'all that are like 40, 50, 60, 70, wherever you're at, Kayla, is that good news? If an angel shows up at your house, no. And how about Mary? We talked about her two weeks ago. The Virgin Mary. Hey, you're going to have a baby. But you're going to have to tell everyone that you're a virgin if you're going to speak the truth. Is that good news? That's what God is, does through, all throughout the Christmas narrative. And I love, you know, I love the contrast between Elizabeth and Mary. Because you've got uh, Elizabeth on one hand. She's been trying to have kids for years, but couldn't. You got Mary on the other who wasn't trying to have kids, and she does. You see the contrast there? And you've, got, you've also got um, Elizabeth in her old age. Her shame is removed culturally by having a baby. Whereas Mary, as a young child, she gets shame put upon her by having a child. Both are given babies. Both babies are part of God's plan for salvation, but God deals with each of them differently. God's wisdom and God's plans are so, they're so marvelous, and they're beyond human reasoning. And that's what I want us to see in today's passage as we take a look at the, uh, at, uh, the scene of the Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. So if you have your Bibles, let's, let's turn there to Matthew chapter 1 if you haven't turned there yet. And I want to see how the glory of God is displayed in the life of Joseph. We're going to start with verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, we know that, that Mary has already agreed. We talked about this two weeks ago. I keep saying that, but we talked about this two weeks ago, that Mary agreed that she would be the servant of the Lord and allow um, her to become impregnated with the Son of God. And Mary is most likely in her, third tri uh, her second trimester here. She's starting to show, and she can't hide it anymore. It's becoming known. But notice in verse 18 that it says that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. She was betrothed to Joseph. What does that mean? Well, a betrothal back in the biblical times uh, was kind of like our engagement, except it had um, a lot, much more binding, it was much more of a binding contract. Typically, the couple entered into a legal arrangement by making public and binding vows. And at that time, they were considered to be married, husband and wife, except they did not come together. They stayed in separate places for a year, remained sexually pure, and then at the end of the year they would have a final marriage ceremony and they would come together and consummate the marriage. Well, in this case, they are still in that betrothal period and Mary is found to be with child. And so Joseph has one logical thought, one logical explanation, and that is that Mary has been unfaithful to him, that she committed has committed adultery against him. And in the Mosaic law, the punishment for adultery was stoning. But by the time this uh, has happened, 
it's most likely that they weren't stoning people for adultery, but they were punishing them with public disgrace. It would be something that you would carry for the rest of your life. And so Joseph had two options, or a couple of options. Number one, he could marry her. He could choose to go ahead and marry her. But if he did, you know, the question would be this, can he trust her? If she's committed adultery, can he trust her? And is she going to do it again? And even on top of that, think about this. She says, I'm a virgin. Is she all there? Is a question that Joseph has to ask himself. Is she really saying, should I marry her? And if he did marry her, there's another thing that he could bring upon himself. People could go, okay, yeah, you're actually really the father of this son. And so he actually could... Uh, be charged with uh, committing fornication, and his reputation would be trashed. Either way, if he takes this option, he is going to have to bear shame for the rest of his life. A second option would be that he could protect his reputation and publicly bring her into the center of the town square and make an accusation in front of the entire Town. He would be able to clear his name, make sure everyone knows, I am not guilty in this. She did it all, and it would be found that he was innocent of that, and then he could clear her, his name. But in order to do so, he would expose her to public humiliation, and, that, and then she would have to walk alone in this for the rest of her life. So what is Joseph to do? Well, fortunately, in verse 19, it says that Joseph was... And I love this. It says he was a just man. That is, those are good words. Joseph was a just man. Joseph was a righteous man. It does not mean that he was sinless, but it does mean that he was a man of faith, that, that he was a man who loved and knew God. And because he was a just man, I want us to show you something in, in this. He displays what the heart of God is towards Sinners. He reveals to us who God is in the way that Joseph relates to Mary in this specific situation. You see it, it appears that Joseph believed that Mary was guilty. But he knew that he was innocent. He was singing Billy Jean. The kid is not my son. <laughs> he knew. Just making sure you're listening. He knew that he had walked in purity before God. And what I love about this is that he revealed what the heart of God is towards sinners. Exodus 34, 6 says this. I want you to look at who God is. The Lord. This is what God declares. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. He is holy. He is not like us, is he? Contrary to what some may say and what the enemy would want us to believe when we're in the midst of our trials, our God is good. Our God is compassionate. Our God is gracious and slow to anger. And he is the God who meets us right where we are, even in our darkest hour. That, that's who we're here proclaiming this morning. That's the God who is orchestrating this Christmas narrative. And Joseph displays the heart of God because 
he was unwilling, it says he was unwilling to put his wife to shame. So he resolved to divorce her quietly. Now don't misunderstand me. It's not that Joseph was wanting to cover up what had happened and, and not even take care of it. When we sin, God doesn't just um, not deal with it. He confronts us with it. With it. And he has measures that he, he puts into place depending on what the sin is. But Joseph wasn't seeking. Listen, this is something we need to understand as a church body, as we are dealing with each other's sins. Because we sin, right? Only two people sin in here, right? We sin, amen? amen. Now, we're not proud of that, right? But we can be open about it because of the gospel, Okay? We're not proud of it. It's shameful. But because of the gospel, we can be open about it. And he isn't seeking to clear his name and then punish Mary for her sin. We've got to be careful that as we are dealing with each other, are we trying to punish one another because that person's hurt you? We've got to be careful about our motive. Joseph is showing us the heart of God. He wanted to do it in a way that cared for the one that he was dealing with. And there would be consequences for her sin, like there is with all sin, but he did not want to make it a, pub a public spectacle. That's what the heart of God is. That's how God desires to deal with us in our sin if we will repent. And that's, that's a key part of, of the way that God deals with us. When he comes to us, he often comes to us quietly, and if we respond, he will allow us to be it to be kept quiet. If we don't respond, it gets louder and louder. And you know what's interesting to me is I've got a question here. Why, why did God allow Joseph to believe that Mary was guilty? Have you thought about that? Okay, that's another one of these things where God does something to me that doesn't humanly make sense. He could have sent two angels at the same time or had them in the same place and say, hey, Joseph and Mary, this is the plan. Why did God not tell him up front? And if I were Joseph, I would have been tempted to ask questions, to say, Lord, you know, I have lived, you know, I'm a righteous man. I've lived my life to bring glory to you. I've done everything I could. Why didn't you let me see this coming? Why did you allow me to get engaged to Mary? Have you ever been there where you have felt like you've done everything right in human terms? And you go, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? I think that this is a question that Joseph could have been asking. It doesn't say he did, but he could have. But why did God allow this? Well, it could be because God was wanting to use this, this situation to show Joseph his own heart. Trials are one of the best friends that God uses in our lives to show us what's deep down in our, heart, our hearts. Because when the fires of life start flaming up and the pot gets hot and begins to boil, whatever is inside comes out. Just like the childhood nursery rhyme. I'm a little 
teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle, here is my spout. When I get all steamed up, hear me shout. Just what? Tip me over and pour me out. Why do y'all pay more attention to that? I mean, y'all are like, mm. hey, Scotty, Zach, next, come on, this is in uh, one of y'all, where's Zach at? In your next hip-hop song, okay? Man, that's pretty dope. I'm a li- if you need to back up, I got you. <clears throat> so when we are all in the middle of trials, right, and the flames are high, we all get steamed up. Whatever is inside comes out. Let me ask you, all of you who raised your hand, the fire is going, what's coming out of you right now? Now, don't, you know, when it comes out, we can try to hide it or we can deal with it. God is bringing this to the surface. What are you getting angry about? Man, this morning I was trying to get my hair all right, you know, and I'm in a rush. I was late. And so uh, I went to my drawer to pull out my hair gel, and it wasn't there. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. I said, honey, where's my, where's my super suit at? Where's my, my gel at? She said, one of your sons took it. I wasn't going, I'm a righteous man. I wasn't going to expose you, but now that you did, let's take him out. No, so, but it's funny how sometimes the teapot can just get, it didn't explode, but it did, I was like, why am I getting all up and up about hair gel? Sometimes there's other stuff in the life that kind of, is going on that kind of brings things to to the front. But God brings these trials in our lives so that we can deal with things that we didn't know about. Verse 20 says, But as he, as Joseph considered these things, as he considered um, divorcing his wife quietly, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her from the Holy Spirit. Now notice, the angel says, do not what? Do not fear. Did you know that 360 times plus in the Bible, God tells his people, do not fear. But fear, isn't that one of the fastest things that comes to you when something's going wrong? When you feel a lump right here in your your throat? Man, what is that? Fear. When when when, When you go to your bank account, and it's, it says that you overdrew fear, right? But he says 360 times, do not fear. That's what he told Zachariah, Zacharias, when he came to him. That's what he told the Virgin Mary when she, he came to her. And that's what he tells Joseph, do not fear. Now, as we've said before, there is good fear and there is bad fear. I want to go over a few good fears. Okay, I've got some pictures here. Number one, good fear is don't put your tongue on a frozen lamppost. That's good fear. That is foolishness. Number two, don't put your head in the mouth of a crocodile. Okay, ladies, don't do that. Number three, don't jump in the air when you're on a skyscraper without a safety harness. Keep that in mind, people. And number four, don't take pictures with a poisonous spider in your face. The point is, there is good fear. Fear is good if it helps us to live 
wisely. But there's a, there's a bad fear. Terry talked about it three weeks ago. The fear of man. Fearing something that keeps you from trusting in and obeying God. It might be that if you, do, if you follow God and trust God, you, you could lose your job or at least be demoted. You might lose friends. You might lose your reputation. Either way, bad fear has to be overcome. And you know how you overcome bad fear? Is faith. You overcome fear through faith. Now, just as there's bad fear and there's good fear, there's bad faith and there's good faith. Okay? And, the, and what makes the difference is this, is who or what is your faith in? I'll make it real simple. Good faith is your faith is totally in God. It's not in your situation. It's not in people. It's not in your emotions. It's fully in God. Bad faith is anything other than God that you've put your faith. It's very simple. That's what determines. We all have our faith in something. And notice that the angel doesn't say, Joseph, do not fear. You're strong, man. You got this. He doesn't say, you go, girl. He doesn't say, trust in yourself. If anyone ever tells you, you got this, tell them, no, I don't. God's got this. Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, what? You can do nothing, right? Our faith, we must be putting our faith in God. And listen, Reach Life Church, as we're continuing to grow, as we're continuing to learn how to care for one another, we've got to know what the Word of God says, and we've got to learn how to practice it, because as we are counseling one another, we need to speak God's Word to one another. We need to be pointing one another not to ourselves, not to how strong you are, that sort of thing. We need to point each other to who God is. Amen. And so that's, that's something that the angel says, do not fear. Why? Because he's going to show him why he should not fear. And there's three points, three, three truths I want to share with you of what the angel shares with, jo with Joseph. And the first one is this. The angel told jo uh, Joseph, do not be afraid because, number one, God is in this, God is in this. Verse 20, let's read that again. It says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is for, here's why, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, Joseph, the child in Mary is from God. God is in this. This didn't sneak up on God. God is aware of your situation. And you know, sometimes when I'm in the middle of my trial, the very question I ask is, is God in this? Listen, I want you to think about your trial that you're in right now. I want to remind you that God is in this. Your heart may be screaming, God, where are you? God, do you not see what is going on? Maybe this is what tempted Joseph. 
God, where are you? And the truth is, God is in your situation. I love 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Whenever I'm in a situation that seems to just be like have sprung up on me, and I'm, I'm tempted to ask, God, are you in this? I love 1 Peter 4, 12. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, as though God wasn't in it. And you know, we are a forgetful people. I've said this a thousand times to this church. We are a forgetful people, but we forget that we are forgetful. And so I want to remind us, and we need to remind one another on a regular basis, that there is nothing in life, in the the life of a child of God, that gets to us without first having to come through God. Remember back when we were talking about John, the good shepherd? Back in the book of John, we're talking about Jesus. He's the good shepherd who has us firmly in his hands and nothing comes in and nothing goes out without him allowing it. And so when we're tempted to fear, the first thing that we need to remember is that God is in this. Secondly, we need to remember that God is for us. Verse 21 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, the Lord, which means the Lord saves, which means the Lord rec- rescues. And notice what Jesus is going to rescue his people from. He will save his people from their... He, he will save their pe- his people from their what? Their sins. He is going to deal with our greatest need, our sins. Now, this is good news for those of us who... Uh, see that we need a Savior, isn't it? This is good. Thank you, Tim. I'm going to say that again. This is good news for those of us who see that we need a Savior, isn't it? And sometimes the trials that you're in are not your fault, like Joseph. But there's times that you're in your trial because of what you did. Can I get a witness? It could be that you are in debt up to your ears because you spent money that you didn't have and you kept doing it. You went against God's commandment to not do that. Or it could be that you're having relational problems with somebody and it's because of something you did or it's because of something you should have done that you didn't do. You have neglected that relationship, and now you are in a bad place. Regardless of what it is, you know that you have wrecked your life because of your sin. This is good news. Because it says, the angel said, he will save his people from their sins. But how does that work for the believer? How does that work in our lives? Confess, right? Take full responsibility for your actions, okay? We are living in a culture that does not want to take full responsibility for their actions. We're living in a Home Depot culture. I love Home Depot. Back when I was growing up, if you were to go to Lowe's, that was the only place around. If you were to go back to Lowe's with your 
package and you didn't open it and you had the receipt, they still wouldn't give you a refund, right? Now you can take a lawnmower, mow your lawn the whole, I shouldn't be telling you all this, but you can mow your, your lawn the entire season and go back to Home Depot and if you don't like it, they will take it back. Nobody is at, wants to be at fault anymore, but if we're going to walk with God and live lives that bring glory to him, we've got to, number one, take full responsibility, own our part in the sin, and confess it, which means to agree that you have a deep need for a Savior. And as you turn to Christ and cast your sin upon the cross, there is no longer anything that is hanging over your head. You are free from your sin. Now, there may be consequences, okay? Doesn't mean that there's not going to be earthly consequences from that. If I get uh, inebriated and go crazy and uh, cut my arm off in the middle of my actions uh, and wake up without an arm, can God grow that arm back? Y'all, some of y'all are like, can he? Can God grow that arm back? Okay, will he? I don't know. Probably not. You'd have a one-armed preacher in this, in this pulpit. But, you know, the thing is, what I do know is if I will confess, Lord, that was all my fault, I know that God will uh, bring glory through a one-armed preacher. Okay? I may have to live the rest of my life with one arm, but God will take my life and redeem it. That is why we need to understand that, that God is for us. And when we confess our sins, we can have confidence. God, you're in this, and you're for us. And, and thirdly, that God is with us. Look at verse 22. All this took place to, fit, to fulfill what the Lord God had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. Did, did you get that? Matthew is quoting Isaiah the prophet, where he's talking about the virgin will conceive. It's important to understand that Jesus was born of a virgin. That what was conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus was fully man. But because of the virgin birth, he is fully God. And, and Jesus was born with divine authority. That means that he has the authority over every... Listen, he has authority over every situation that is in our lives. And he can and he will bring deliverance to us. I'm going to say that again. I want you to think about your trial that you're in right now that's burning you right now. If you will believe the truth that God is with us, he can and will bring deliverance at some point if we will trust in him. Now, how do you know if you're trusting in God? You will walk in obedience. That is the proof that you are trusting in God. Look at what Joseph did. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. In other words, he took her shame 
the life that she was going to live, and he said, I'll, I'll live it with you. What do you think that felt like to Mary? <sighs> I am no longer walking with this alone. And then verse 25, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name. Okay, here's another part of obedience. He didn't call him Joseph. He called him Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm very aware that there are people in this room who have trials, I mean, heavy trials that you have been walking through for season, for a long season. And during these extended periods, the question that comes to our minds or your mind could be, God, are you good? God, are you in this? God, are you for me? God, are you with me? Everything around you is tempting you to doubt him. But I want to I speak truth to you, whoever, if, if that's you this morning. I want to speak truth, and I've been speaking this to myself, so I'm, not, I'm actually preaching to all of us here. God is in it. God is doing something even though you don't see it. And in time, he will send his angel to reveal it to you. But until he does, I want to encourage you to exercise your faith and to begin praising him now. Praise him now before he does it. He's going to do it. But God loves it when you praise him before he does it. And you know, you know that your faith is genuine when in your darkest hour you can truly praise God. That is the proof of faith. Now, there's times that we fail and we don't praise God, but if that's you, I want to encourage you this morning to repent. Begin to praise him. Say, God, I know you are good. God, I know that you are in this. God, I believe that you are for me and I know that you are with me. And I am going to praise you while I wait for you to deliver me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.